Over the last several weeks, we've been reading through the final chapters of the Gospel of John. As we've been reading about Jesus' teaching to the disciples before He went to the cross, the experience of going to the cross, the incredible, amazing miracle of the resurrection. And then those events following the resurrection, we've seen how truly the resurrection did change everything. We're going to continue that story here in John chapter 21. We'll start with the first verse this morning. Sometimes life surprises us. Now, sometimes those surprises are not welcome, like when a pipe breaks and floods your basement. That's not welcome. Although, when you pull up the wet rug and discover underneath there's this beautiful, pristine, natural hardwood, that's a good surprise. Sometimes, though, we're not sure whether the surprise is a bad thing or a good thing. We kind of wait to see how it all works out. Maybe you can identify with that kind of a surprise. Life maybe takes a turn, and you're not sure what to think about it. You get a promotion at work, but then they explain to you all the new responsibilities you're going to have, and you start wondering, well, I'm not sure if this is a good thing or a bad thing. You find out that the school system in your area is changing the district lines, and you or your children are going to be going to a new school next year. You don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Sometimes it's hard to say. And for a while, you're not sure exactly what direction the events of life are going to go. Well, that was certainly the case for the disciples. They had experienced the worst surprise, and really surprise is not the word, the shock would be a a better word, of watching Jesus die on the cross. Followed by the most wonderful surprise they could have imagined as they saw Jesus resurrected. Now that part shouldn't have been a surprise. That's exactly what Jesus said was going to happen. But the disciples never really got it. And now that it had happened, they still didn't really get it. It was great news Jesus was alive. But what exactly did that mean? Where did they go from here? Well, for at least seven of the disciples, they went fishing. John chapter 20 concludes with Jesus appearing to the disciples now for the second time. Thomas was there with them. He makes that incredible declaration that Jesus is his Lord and his God. It was quite an experience. But now what? Jesus was alive. What did that mean? And apparently the disciples struggled with that at first. In John chapter 21, it's almost like their life goes back to normal. Now, not the normal that they'd been experiencing for the last three years when they'd been traveling around with Jesus. Their life seems to go back to normal before they had ever met Jesus. The time of the Feast of the Passover had ended. The disciples leave Jerusalem and they go back to their hometown, back in Galilee. Now, did they go back there to start their ministry for the Lord? Did they go back there to plant some new churches? Did they go back there to preach the gospel? No. They went back to Galilee to go fishing. 
Here's how the Bible describes it in John chapter 21, verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going to go out and fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, here are seven of the disciples, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, James, John, and and two disciples that are not named. They have made the journey from Jerusalem all the way back to the north side of, of what we often call the Sea of Galilee. It's called the Sea of Tiberias here, just was another name that they sometimes used in the New Testament day. And they've gone back to what they know. They've gone back to what they did before this whole disciple thing started. They go fishing. Simon, Peter, James, and John, that's what they knew, fishing. (laughs) The rest of this they weren't sure about, but they knew how to fish. Simon Peter leads the way. The other six follow right along. They all get in the boat and they head out at night. Now that sounds a little bit strange to us, but that was the normal process. In the New Testament day, to go fishing during the nighttime, it basically was an economic thing. If you went fishing at the nighttime, you could bring in the fresh catch and sell it in the market in the morning. So that's what they did. They got back to business. Business as usual. Now, now the truth is, we can't be too hard on them. Most of us have been there. We've gone to a, a special worship service and, and our hearts were warmed for the Lord. Or maybe we went to a retreat or, or to a camp and we came back all fired up for Christ. But then when we got home, things kind of quieted down a little bit spiritually. We went to church on Sunday, but hey, Monday morning's just around the corner. We've got to go back to work. What then? Well, that was the case for the disciples. It had been an amazing time. We have a name for it. A mountaintop experience. It had been an amazing thing. But they were still trying to figure out what it meant that Jesus had risen from the dead. Jesus understands that. He understands what we face in this world because He faced it Himself. He's there for us. And he was there for the disciples, too. There in verse 4 of John 21, the Bible says, Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you seen any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. When they did... They were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Recognize that story? Well, John sure did. It's the same thing that happened to them way back at the beginning of their relationship with Jesus. It's described in Luke chapter 5. When they were still trying to determine if Jesus really was the Christ. And they'd they'd gone out fishing and didn't catch anything and Luke chapter 5 describes how Jesus tells them, Hey, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. I think you'll have a little more luck there. 
And suddenly they had more fish than they could handle. It convinced them then that, hey, we need to follow this guy. He may have something to say. It convinces them now here in John chapter 21 as well. Verse 7, then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it, it's the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him for he'd taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. John, who typically refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved in his gospel, that's the way he talks about himself. He he's always seems to be the more observant of the disciples. He kind of watches everything and takes it all in and he kind of figures it out and he figures it out. He remembers. Hey guys, don't you remember that last time when this happened? It was Jesus then and hey, it's Jesus now. That's the Lord. Peter, always the first one to act. He jumps out of the boat. Jumps in the water. He wants to get to Jesus as soon as he can. The other disciples are left to handle fish. <laughs> but no matter. They didn't care. They make it to shore. And there they find that Jesus has cooked them breakfast. And suddenly, they knew. Verse 12, Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. They've been down that road too before, you remember. <laughs> this was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. It now had happened not once, not twice, but three times. The disciples saw Jesus there in the upper room. Then again, in the upper room, a few days later, they see Jesus again. This time Thomas was there. And now a few days later, in a completely different location, they see Him again. But I suspect most of us would have done pretty much exactly what the disciples did. The resurrection was exciting, it was wonderful, it was miraculous, but that was Sunday. Now it's the work week. Somebody's got to feed the kids. Somebody's got to go to work. Somebody's got to get things done. Somebody's got to go fish. Take some time to realize that the resurrection of Jesus changed everything everywhere. And that's the reality we need to understand. The resurrection touches every area of our life. It changes our approach to everything that we do. Even fishing. The the symbolism could not be more clear. Jesus had, had, had told Peter and Andrew way back when he had first called them to be his disciple. He said, follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. And now on two occasions, he's provided them with catches of fish like something they had never experienced. Now it would be like they never could have imagined. They would share a message 
that would literally change the world. That's not just true for the disciples. It's true for you and me too. We must realize that the resurrection changes everything. It changes how we approach school, how we approach work, how we live, how we work, how we live at home. And yes, how we live at church. It informs everything that we seek, every plan that we make, every action that we take. The resurrection means... When you go to school, when you go to work tomorrow, whatever you're going to be doing. (coughs) Excuse me. You don't just represent a philosophy of life. You don't just represent a nice way to live. You represent the Savior who defeated death. The resurrection means that your home is not just a place where you hang your hat, although I guess most of us don't wear hats so much anymore, where you hang your coat, although it's springtime, so we don't wear coats either, where you put your shoes. I don't know. Your home is just not a place where you, you hang out. Your home becomes a mission hub for reaching your neighborhood for Christ. The resurrection changes your conversations. As as you talk with people and as the Lord opens that window for you to share with somebody about how you came to know the Savior, that becomes no longer just a conversation. It is a message that will literally change their life if they will accept it. Folks, the resurrection changes everything. Heavenly Father, help us to understand this morning something that was hard for the disciples to understand, so it's hard for us to understand too. That the resurrection truly does change everything. We didn't gather here this morning just to sing a few songs and hear a nice story. We came here today to worship the living, resurrected Lord. And when we leave this place, we will not live lives that are just finding a way to get through the day. Our lives have purpose, have meaning of sharing this good news that our Savior lives. Help us to see how the resurrection transforms everything that we are, everything that we do, everything that we say. The resurrection changes everything. Help us see that, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. And we call it that because that's exactly what it is. It's an invitation. We are inviting you to respond to what God's doing in your life this morning. Maybe you're here and all of a sudden, it suddenly dawned on you. It suddenly 
you've recognized, wait a minute, these aren't just stories. This isn't just a self-help group. I'm not just finding some good ways to, to live life. There's something here that changes everything for me. And I need to understand what that means. Well, we want to help you. Now, ordinarily, we would invite you to come forward. We'd sit down with you, open the scripture with you and show you just exactly how that's really true. How the resurrection of Christ changes everything for you. We can't do that now because of the virus situation. So we, we have a way, though, that we can communicate with you the incredible truths about the Savior. If you're here with us this morning, there in the pew rack before you, you'll find a white card. It's called the connection card. It's right there in the pew rack before you. Just take one of those cards. Give us some contact information, a, a way that we can get in touch with you, your address, phone number, whatever you're comfortable in giving. And then down at the bottom of the card, you'll find some, some decisions, some, some things that you may be thinking about. One of them may be, hey, I, I need to know how to follow Christ as my Savior. I want to know what that means. I, I, my life it needs change right now. I need what, what Jesus can give me. And, and just check that box. Place it in one of the baskets as you leave this morning. And we'll be in touch with you just as soon as we can to share with you how you can know this incredible transformation that only Jesus Christ can give. As we admit our need, as we confess our sin to Him, as we receive Him as our personal Lord and Savior, He changes us. We'll share with you exactly how you can do that. It's, it's really simple. Truth is, there's nothing you need to do. There's nothing you can do because Jesus has already done it all. All you do is receive this incredible gift of salvation that Jesus Christ alone can give. We'll, we'll share with you how the Bible says you can do that. You just check that box. Let us know. Maybe there's another way that God is, is leading in your heart. Maybe you already know the Savior, but you're looking for a, a church that you can be a part of, a, a family of other believers that you can join with to, to serve the Lord. And we would be thrilled to share with you how you can be a part of what God's doing here at National Heights. There's a place there where you can just check. I want to know how to be a member of NHBC or, or, or maybe you just write it on the card. That's fine. We'll, we'll get some information to you how you can join with us here at National Heights. Or maybe there's other ways that God is working in your life. Maybe you have a prayer need, something you really appreciate some fellow believers praying with you about it. You can just record that. On the back side of that card, there's a, a place where you can write out a prayer request, something that's happening. You would appreciate some fellow Christians praying with you. We'd be honored to do that. If you're watching us online, there's a digital form of that very same connection card. It's on our website at nationalheights.org. Hello. You'll see that link there on Facebook if you're watching us there. If you're watching on our website, it's just below where the video appears. Just follow that link. Again, give us a way to contact you and then indicate what your decision is. If you have a prayer need, just type it into the text box there. We would be honored to be praying with you as well. Whatever it is. However, God is leading you this morning. We invite you. To respond to his leadership in your life today as we sing together.